Before we start the show this week, I want to thank our sponsors at SeatGeek. Anthony and I love this app. Behind MLB at Bat, it's probably the most used app on my phone. I, I go to 50 plus ball games every summer and almost every ticket I buy is through the SeatGeek app. I've been using it long before they started sponsoring us. Uh, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's basically a ticket aggregator for the secondary market. It ranks via a color-coded system which seats have the best value across multiple ticket brokers. You can get views from the seats and you can compare prices. So like if someone is selling their ticket for 100 bucks in row five, you can see if someone from a different site is selling their seat for, I don't know, 90 bucks in row four. Even if I'm not going to a game, honestly, I'll sometimes just pop open the app and check it out just so I can see what ticket prices are going for across the country. Just trust me on this one. Download the app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Use the code CLUBHOUSE and receive a $20 rebate on your first ticket purchase. Our show is always going to be free for you guys. We really would just appreciate it if you could support our sponsors a little bit. And it's just going to make your lives easier. On to the show. This week on the Clubhouse, our stadium series continues with yet another ball club from Ohio, Progressive Field, the home of the Cleveland Indians. Anthony is currently touring the country with his hit Broadway musical, If Then. Go to ifthenthemusical.com tour to find out when he is coming to your town. Over the next several months, Anthony and I will be dedicating one episode to every team and we'll be discussing why we think you should visit each and every one of their home ballparks. We're also including episodes from my Rounding Third podcast, which features interviews with fans I met as I made my 17,000-mile drive across the country to attend a ball game at all 30 stadiums. There are also some truly amazing guests that we have lined up for our more regular episodes that we'll be dropping every couple of weeks or so, so make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes for free so that you never miss out on one of our wonderful guests. This episode was recorded in the Oakwood Apartments in Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is a wonderful day for baseball. My name is Manish Jane. Sitting with me, as always, is Mr. Anthony Rapp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Today, on our very special stadium series, where we are continuing to break down every single ballpark in the land. We're, we're, we're coming down to it. We're in the last third here. We're, we're coming down to all 30 ballparks here. But it is the home of the Cleveland Indians, formerly known as Jacobs Field, but now known as Progressive Field. Progressive is that commercial with that with that insurance. Yeah. yeah. And Progressive is that that woman, right? Flo? Is that her name? Mm -hmm. Don't why are you reminding me of this? (laughs) Because, you know, now I can't unsee her. (laughs) That was a weird laugh. (laughs) He's dying. He's dying. EMT. Oh, death. Death is in the air. Oh, my goodness. So, yes. So I am okay. I am okay. No, it's a it's a fine stadium. It is. You know what? I will tell you this. I was pleasantly surprised 
at the changes that were made between 2013 and 2015, in the two short years that I had not been to uh, this wonderful ballpark, I was really surprised. At, at, at So you saw for the first time, and I saw for the first time as well, in left field, a couple of different big changes. So in the left field concourse, they had gutted several thousand seats and replaced it with basically like this restaurant row of local restaurants yeah. that were all offering a wide and It was varied... one of the most pleasant concourses of all Yes, time. right? Yeah, it, yeah. It's very, very uh, sort of wide open. You still always feel the stadium and the field from pretty much anywhere you're walking on the concourse. And yes. There's, there's lots of good food. So it's very super pleasant to walk around in that way. It also has the a very nice um, sort of, what do, they, what do they call it, the plaque area where they have all the plaques. Yeah, the Hall of Fame. But it's not the, really a Hall of Fame museum. It's just that- Well, they actually, they call it Monument Park. It's Monument the same Park, thing yes, that, so that, that uh, the Yankees call theirs, but- uh, And there's, I mean, the Indians have a lot of history. They so, really do. And and they did a good job of of having really good, thorough captioning and, and um, little, all the plaques. Like there was, it wasn't simply, my memory is it wasn't simply ball players and their stats. There was like a little bit of, you got, you found out other little bits and pieces of information. And what well, makes very much like uh, the plaques at Cooperstown. Yeah. In the sense that they, they give them a little write up. They give yeah. them a couple of paragraphs there of kind of putting their numbers and, and their history in context. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I really am dying. Um, yeah. And, um, Come back from the light. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, so so they're, they're, uh, when you first walk to the Hall of Fame area, it's kind of almost like a Greek pantheon. It, it's, it's a circular type of, of uh, little area there, or a half circle, I guess. And you're surrounded by kind of their big hitters, their Hall of Famers are, are what you look at first. And then you keep walking down a flight of steps. And then there's a, just a giant wall of plaques. Yeah. And... It's really, you know, you really feel steeped in history and once again connected to, you know, because when, when, you know, we, we just talked about U.S. Cellular Field and while they've got their statues and the statues are great and there are other ballparks that have, you know, some type of representation of their history, you really do feel it when you're in Cleveland. You are really kind of surrounded by it. And, you know, we're on this while we're on the subject of, you know, long-time droughts of World Series victories. Have been sure. I mean, the city of Cleveland up until uh, uh, Mr. James uh lebron came back to cleveland you know the, these guys it's been since the 50s uh, i believe this is the last time that any cleveland fr uh, sports franchise has won anything so the city of cleveland has really been struggling quite a bit for for quite a long time yeah um but so i just think that well i mean look the since i went there since i since 2013 and 2015 they've changed quite a bit they also have uh, the old bullpen. They they moved the old bullpen. And I can't remember. Did did uh, I take you down there? I think we yeah, went down yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, we went down there. You can sort of sneak behind and look in. Not just sneak. I mean, for for an inning a game, they are an inning. Uh, you can go down there and actually watch some of the game from the old bullpens, yeah. which is awesome. Which yeah. is such a cool view and such a, a unique perspective to be able to watch the game essentially on the field, um, which I love. They also moved the bullpens, and the bullpens are now sitting. So there are bleacher seats in front of the bullpen, and so you can kind of, if you get seats out there in right field, you can turn around and and check out who's who's warming up. Which, once again, it's just it's as much as I love traditional baseball, and you know that I'm an old you know nonsense traditionalist. What I love about baseball is that 
the stadiums themselves are open to these gimmicks and you can do these weird everyone doesn't have the bullpens in the same spot you can do something weird like have the seats in front of the bullpens sure um i also remember the game we saw was it was rangers indians and it was one of those games (laughs) where it's like three to nothing five to three seven to five oh it was uh... 18 to 14 it was just like one of those ridiculous games that was really super fun to see because most of the a lot of the games we had been seeing have been like kind of pitchers we had a run of like 10 or 15 pitchers duels in a row and then uh detroit cleveland minnesota like all of a sudden it was just uh, offense exploded the al central really woke it up for us and and there were because we also uh we were lucky enough to see uh adrian beltre and miguel cabrera in back-to-back games separate games but in back-to-back games each hit their 401st home runs so we yes. were one off but we we saw them each hit their 401st home runs and then you your favorite thing about in uh cleveland was another texas ranger yeah just the the watching the ball be destroyed by <laughs> prince fielder it was crazy that was that and then his little antics on the base paths oh he was like i love princey i miss yeah. him i, I adore so. him but uh, so you know, Cleveland is is a really really uh, fun ballpark. They also have some great statues outside yeah, of their ballpark. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's also similarly situated in a in the downtown area. And so I say similarly, you need to be listening to all of our other podcasts to make sure that you get some of our references here. Uh, but they they it's 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 a downtown ballpark, you know, and and. I like that about it. you know we we had uh, lunch with my old uh, high school friend Katie Ely before the game so it's kind of like hey you can have lunch and then quite literally walk next door yeah, just a couple blocks in and there's the ballpark you know yeah and it's just you know in terms of the aesthetics of the ballpark it's sort of nondescript it's you know it's a, it's all right in terms of how it looks oh I see what you're saying, you know sure, what saying? sure sure it's sure fine um, but yeah you know fine field you know the 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 stands feel nicely open which is cool right. Um, it's a little tall to me, like, and they have that crazy upper deck and they've actually tarped off some of the seats on the upper deck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but so I wouldn't ever want to sit up there. That'd be crazy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a nice middle, middle tier ballpark for me. Middle tier. Yeah. Middle tier. Yeah. Solidly in the middle. What, you know, we'll get to that one later. I, I, I got a question for you about that, but we're going to get that many episodes from now. I'm going to ask you that question. So <laughs> there's a little, you got to stay tuned to figure out what I'm about to ask you. Oh, exciting. It can hardly <laughs> wait. Um, Whatever will he ask? I don't know. Uh, I'll probably forget by then, to be honest with you. But uh, so, yeah, I think that's that. If you want to hear more about our, our uh, gallivanting times in, in Cleveland and our our exciting thoughts breaking down, progressive field uh go back and listen to our, our our cleveland indians episode of the podcast I'll, I'll link to it on clubhousepodcast.com but for now we're gonna uh, connect you to the rounding third segment of this wonderful podcast and who did i interview in cleveland oh you know what when i was in cleveland uh <laughs> as a tigers fan i had my tigers hat on and for the first couple of innings, there was a bit of rabble rousing. There was a bit of them needling me a little bit and kind of uh, questioning why I was sitting behind home plate, surrounded by Indians fans. But then they all became incredibly nice uh, after I kind of explained myself. And by, by the second or third inning, uh, I was having an absolute blast with pretty much everybody there. And I interviewed a young lady named Cora, who was uh, a awesome awesome baseball fan and she was just explaining to me why she comes to the ballpark and why she loves her indians so much so i think you will enjoy that interview and uh, thank you so much for listening thank you mr rap for, for for joining me you're so welcome
<laughs> we'll see you next time here in the clubhouse. We're just going to take a brief break so that I can tell you how to get in touch with Anthony or me. You can follow us on Twitter at ClubhousePod. Visit our website, clubhousepodcast.com, for extensive links and information about some of the baseball moments we discussed on the show. There are also photos from our cross-country road trip for you to peruse at your leisure. We love hearing from our listeners and getting you involved with the discussion. So please email us at clubhousepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us about your favorite baseball stories, your favorite baseball films, why your team or ballpark is so special. Or honestly, just if you want to say hello. If you are a new listener to the Clubhouse Podcast, welcome. For more great baseball conversations, please take a look at our archives. Like our chat with the lawyer who cleaned up baseball, Charles Sheeler. He is an utterly fascinating man. In this clip, Charles talks to us about his experience in the Roger Clemens congressional hearings. Well, they brought Clemens back. I sat next to him at a hearing, um, and on the other side was his trainer, Brian McNamee, who yeah. had who had uh, provided him with the, the steroids, which of course Roger denied. But basically, I was put there as sort of a, a potted plant to keep these two guys apart so they didn't like start strangling each other. Yeah. And it was like the worst middle seat you ever had on an airplane. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just um, the, <laughs> the tension between these two guys was palpable. Yeah. And the other thing is, Roger was just clearly so incredibly nervous about what, what was going on. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Rounding Third with Manish Jain. Today's episode, the Cleveland Indians and Progressive Field. If you have been following this podcast or my website at roundingthird.net even a little bit, I think it's pretty evident that I am a Detroit Tigers fan. I proudly display my Tigers hat at every ballpark that I go to. However, that being said, no matter which stadium that I'm in, I always root for the home team. Whether they're a division rival, whether they're a historical rival, whether they're a team where normally if I'm sitting at home on my couch, I would be rooting against. If I'm sitting inside of your home stadium, I will root for the home team. Unless, of course, my Tigers are in town. I say all this because of the 23 stadiums that I'd visited so far, that really wasn't a problem. Most people gave me some fun little ribbing and, and back and forth. But, you know, for the most part, me wearing my Tigers hat really wasn't an issue. Obviously, when you go out of division for the AL West or the AL uh, uh, East, no one really cares that much. I mean, I got a little playful ribbing from Yankees fans and A's fans just because of the playoffs uh, the last couple of years. And this is actually my last AL Central ballpark that I'll be visiting, as I've already done the White Sox, the Twins, uh, and the Royals. And all those teams really having pretty much a down 2013 when I was at the ballpark. So not too much uh, uh, problems there, but enter the Cleveland Indians. (laughs) And uh, the Indians were hot on the Tigers' heels until about a week before I got to the ballpark, where unfortunately the Clevelands ended up losing four in a row to the Tigers, virtually eliminating them from any type of a divisional race. It looked like both teams were going in opposite directions. So, obviously, there was uh, um, a bit of resentment towards my Tigers hat uh, in the ballpark. Now, once again, I, I was rooting for the Indians uh, during this game. And to be honest with you, this ended up being probably the most fun and exciting game that I've experienced on the tour thus far. 
entering into the game that I attended, the Indians were on a six-game losing streak, all at home. As I mentioned, they lost four straight to the Detroit Tigers, essentially taking them out of the divisional race. I'd come into town just in time to catch the end of this homestand, the third game of a three-game stretch with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, having dropped the first two games in the homestand, now it was time for the Sunday day game where they immediately gave up a five-run lead. And <laughs> entering into the sixth inning, as Drupal Cabrera had been kicked out of the game for arguing balls and strikes, they were down five to nothing, about to lose their seventh straight at home. And you could just feel the energy in that stadium completely evaporate. This was a fan base that Look, I don't have to say it. For those of you who, who live in Cleveland or are, are Cleveland sports fans, I, I empathize. I understand. I, <laughs> I'm i sorry. Um, it's been a rough uh, couple of generations, we'll call it, for, for fans of professional sports in uh, the city of Cleveland. Every time it looks like you guys might be a little bit close to, to you know, even playing in a championship game in any of the sports, something comes along to just, just pull you right back down to earth. And that's got to be a frustrating feeling. Now, luckily for me, I was able to experience the dramatic turnaround that the city of Cleveland is inevitably one day going to have on a macro scale. I was able to experience on a little micro scale as the Indians came roaring back from being down five to nothing and scoring six unanswered runs five of them coming off of four home runs. It was quite exciting until finally winning the game six to five. And that stadium just exploded. And by a wide margin, I, I, I've been to a couple of walk-offs on this tour and this wasn't necessarily a, a walk-off win, but to see the energies change so dramatically inside that ballpark from the first five innings to the last four innings was really quite spectacular and really something to see. I was lucky enough to catch one of these home runs on tape as it occurred during my interview with a young lady by the name of Cora, who I uh, spoke to uh, during the later innings. And Cora, along with several other of my seatmates, it, <laughs> it took them a while to warm up to me. For the first inning or two, uh, <laughs> I could tell there was a bit of resentment and a bit of frustration with my Tigers hat. And I got a little bit more than playful ribbing. There was some, some, I'll just call them uh, passionate fans who were really kind of laying into me a little bit for being a Tigers fan. And I get that. And I understand that. And I very quickly tried to explain to them that but being a Tigers fan is, is, is just like being an Indians fan to you. You know, I'm a Tigers fan no matter where I go. I, I, I respect my team. I love my team. They've been my team since I've been a very tiny little boy. So I have to wear the hat. It's, it's, it's almost a compulsion. <laughs> you know, I mean, I honestly, if you ever see me walking around the streets 365 days a year, that hat is essentially attached to my skull. Uh, I have friends of mine who will make fun of me that, that I haven't seen maybe in six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, and they'll see me again 10 years later. And they, they say, you know, things may change in, in, in life, but we know there's a comfort level in, in knowing that whenever we see you, that tiger's hat will pretty much always be on your head, no matter what. And so I was trying to explain to, to my lovely seatmates there that, look, I was here 
as part of this baseball tour, it was inevitable that I was going to enter into a stadium that the Tigers were having a little bit of an issue with. And I'm not one of those obnoxious fans. I, I may have been one of those obnoxious fans in my younger days, let's call it high school. But uh, as I've gotten a little bit older, I, I no longer am that, that guy who is constantly in your face yelling and screaming about his team. I love baseball. You know, I love baseball more than anything in the world. Um, you know, my baseball love does trump my love for the Tigers. You know, otherwise I wouldn't be able to do this tour the way I've done it. I wouldn't be able to dedicate three months of my life and drive tens of thousands of miles by myself in order to visit every single one of your beautiful, amazing home ballparks. I was there in those stands cheering just as loud, if not louder, than some of those Indian fans in the first couple of innings trying to will that team to come back. And when they did come back, I was running up and down the aisles, high-fiving folks and getting into it just with everyone else. So, so luckily, after the first couple of innings, when they realized that, yes, I, I, there, was, you know, there was nothing I could do about the fact that I was a Tigers fan, but for this moment, at least, we were all in it together, and I was desperately rooting for this Indians team to, to, uh, to come back and, and, and make a good run out of this. And it happened. You know, like I said, you know, th- those six runs were just in an instant, in, an, in a millisecond. Everything can change. And I know there's a lot in, in professional sports, whether it's basketball or football or hockey, where, you know, in an instant, things can change. So this is not something that is exclusive to the sport of baseball. But to see how quickly a five-run lead evaporated to a team that, if you believe in momentum at all, the Indians had negative momentum. They had, they, they had none of it. 0-6 at home, dropping forward to the hated Tigers, they they should have just, you know, packed it in and said, we're going to take this as a learning experience, hit the road, and hopefully on the next homestand we'll be a little bit better. But no, they came back and hit four home runs. And sorry to use at this point what it's become a cliche, but that stadium became unglued. To see the difference in, in the fans' faces between the first couple of innings and the last couple of innings was really quite fun. There was anger in that in that stadium. When Drupal Cabrera got thrown out of the game, there were several folks sitting around me that had some not <laughs> some some pretty unkind words for Cabrera. They were frustrated with him for getting frustrated with the umpire and getting kicked out of the game. It was just you could see the wheels coming off this thing. You could see the Indian season right in front of you, just completely unraveling. And yet another Cleveland sports team that did not live up to expectations. But once again, in that moment, it was, it was beautiful to see them come back, to see them believe in themselves. And not just the team, but the, the, even the, the fans. You, know, you could feel it, just that first home run that hit. You'd think, all right, well, fine. From five to zero, it's five to two. Sure, that's a little bit of a difference, but there's no reason why this is going to continue. But then all of a sudden, another home run, and then another home run. And all of a sudden, it's five to five. And, you know, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to go meet the drum guy in the bleachers. The, the, for those of you who don't know, there's a gentleman who sits out in the bleachers at Indians games and hits a giant uh, 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 drum, just dum, bum, dum, bum, 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 bum. That's all you hear over and over and over and over and over again. He's become an institution. He's been doing it for decades. 
you know, Indians fans will buy tickets to go sit next to him, which I can't fathom why that would be something they'd want to do because just bum, 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 bum. Imagine that, but a lot louder and right in your ear for nine innings. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I did talk to Cora about it. She has, just like every other Indians fan, gone and, and sat next to him and, and snapped some photos. And I guess it's one of those city pride things that, that there are things that I take pride in in my city that, that look weird to those uh, outsiders. So, so good on you, Cleveland, for having something so specifically Cleveland that, you know, that's a great litmus test for if you're out in the world and if you meet someone who claims to be an Indians fan, you just ask them, do you like the drum guy? And if they say no, chances are you're not talking to a real Indians fan. So without any further ado, I want to introduce you to a real Indians fan, the uh, young lady that I sat next to by the name of Cora. She has some great stories about going to games at Progressive Field or Jacobs Field as it used to be called. And as I said, you can hear a little bit of that crowd waking up as you hear a home run sail over the wall. Uh, after this interview, we're going to come right back, and I want to talk a little bit about how much I absolutely adored this stadium. Independent of this game that I went to, just the stadium itself was much... I, I'll, just, I'll put it this way. I did not have very high expectations coming to Progressive, progressive Field. You know, I'd seen, I've seen plenty of games on television, but uh, uh, of games at the Jake, at Progressive Field, whatever you want to call it. But I was not fully prepared for how much fun that they have outside of the uh, um, stands. And along the concourse, they've got a lot of really great uh, fan activities there. So we'll get into that after the interview. But for now, please enjoy this, this chat that I had with, uh, with Cora. So I'm sitting here at Progressive Field, and unfortunately the Indians are having a bit of a rough one, but... That allows me a little bit of time to chat with some of my seatmates. And I'm sitting here with? Cora Cachet. Cora, that's a beautiful name. Thank you. So you were telling me that you've been coming to games here at Progressive Field pretty much, or at least the Jake, Jacobs Field, the Jake, now Progressive Field, for quite some time. Is that right? Yep. I've, it's been a tradition to come with my dad for quite some time. We have a bond with baseball, and we've always came here to hang out. You know, one of the things that I'm trying to find on this tour is, you know, I believe that the father and son motif is pretty much in talk to death. We get it, father and son's bond. So when I get to see daughters and son, or daughters and fathers or mothers and daughters or just more women involved in the ballpark, that really makes me happy. Yeah. So was this something that, you know, you uh, wanted to do on your own or something your dad kind of taught you when you were a kid? Um, he actually was just like, "What? it's going to be nice Sunday, want to go? And I said, sure, nice bonding with my dad before I go back to school. So. Oh, so you're in school, you're yeah. in, uh, where, where do you go? I go to Ohio University. Okay, very nice. So you've been a Cleveland girl your entire life then? Mm-hmm. So now you're saying you can't really remember your, your first experience here at the ballpark, but you know you do have some memories of being a young kid kind of wandering around the Jake. So can you just tell me some of your favorite memories of uh, catching the game here? Um, I have one memory. We came here for my dad's birthday. They were losing, and it was when Jim, we had Jim Tomey. And uh, we were walking out. We were like, we're going to lose. We might as well leave, beat the traffic, walking out. Out of nowhere, hair fireworks, home run. Start walking again, like whatever. They got one home run. Start walking again, more fireworks, another home run. So we're like, what is going on? Did you left the stadium yet? No, we're okay. still walking out. So they had a dramatic comeback and ended up winning that game. Were you as able we to come? Oh, so you weren't able to actually see it. This is all happening behind you. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? That's why you never leave early. I know, I you know. never leave early. We learned. We learned now. Never to leave early. So all right. So about how many games do you get a chance to come to every year? 
probably about 15 to 20. And, uh, I mean, we've got some pretty decent seats here sitting behind home plate. Do you normally sit here, or are you kind of just wherever you can find seats? My favorite is personally the bleachers. I yeah. feel like they're the most fun. You can get a bunch of crowd entertainment. Everyone's fun back there. But it's fun to be close for good seats if you're willing to spend the money. Sure, no, absolutely. Now, over here in, in Cleveland, everybody knows the uh, infamous uh, drum guy out there. Have you ever sat uh, near him at all? Yes, I have quite a few pictures with him, actually. <laughs> So, I mean, now for my listeners out there, to explain, because when I see it on TV, it looks miserable. I don't know how you could sit there for the entire game. Now, he's been pretty quiet today because it's been a pretty one-sided victory or one-sided uh, uh, game for the Angels. But when he's out there pounding that drum, I mean, how is that not maddening? I don't know. It's just a Cleveland thing. you got to like it. You can't, can't be mad at the drum guy. He's a drum guy. You can't do that. <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. So um, now you, you told me the story about, you know, you guys walking out and missing a game. Now how about actually sitting in your seats? Do you, is there something that anything really stands out about watching a ball game here and just jumping out of your seats and being able to see it with your own two eyes? It was actually my 10th birthday, and I caught a foul ball that Coco Crisp hit. You know what? I have been going to games for over 25 years, and I have never gotten a ball. You have no, Everyone I talk to, everybody's got a great story about catching a ball. I don't know what the hell I got to do to get one of these things, but that is really, really cool. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a great experience because I was a girl and caught it. I had my own glove. I was the one that caught it, not a boy for me. So you caught it clean? Yeah. That is absolutely impressive. <laughs> that is very cool. So now I got to ask you, do, you, do a lot of your girlfriends like the sport as well, or are you kind of an anomaly? No, my friends will come to the games with me. They probably don't enjoy it as much as I do, but they like coming. It's a, it's a good activity to do. So what do you think it is about baseball that, I mean, at least, no, what can we do to get more women into the sport? You know, not just to come with their boyfriends or their husbands and sit there and placate them, but actually come sit there and enjoy it. Like, I've been seeing you cheer on this team, and it makes me really happy to see you so involved. So what can we do to get more women out to the ballpark? I don't know. That's a tough question. I feel like... Girls go to the ballpark to see the hot players, so maybe get <laughs> I don't know, ladies' night or something. I feel like it. I you have to grow up around it. If Did girls, you play when you were a kid? Yeah, I, I played softball all through my life. I quit. I stopped playing my senior year to go to college, but I played club in college as well. Hold on one second. We got a. There it is. Home run. Look at this. You are good luck. I got to keep talking to you. Listen to that crowd. I'm telling you, I think you're good luck. Talking to you here is waking up the tribe. All right, so I'm just going to then, I'll, I'll end it at this then, and we'll let you get back to your seat. So you just got to tell me, of your entire life of going to see ball games, either with your dad or with one of your friends, just what do you think is the, is, what is it about Cleveland baseball? What's that one memory that you can tell people, that's what Cleveland baseball is all about. That's what the Indians are all about. That's what Progressive Field is all about. I feel like really the fans, even if, you know, Cleveland sports aren't the best, but we're always here standing strong together as a team that we know the teams will come through eventually, so definitely the fans, and everyone's nice, everyone talks to everyone. I like to hear that. All right, well, thank you so much, Cora, for talking to me today. And we're back. As you heard in that little clip, the crowd became energized when the Indians started to stage their comeback. 
And this is a city, for those of you who are not aware, that has not won a professional trophy, a championship of any kind in basketball, football, hockey, or uh, baseball since realistically 1948 when the Indians last won the World Series. I know that there is an NFL title in there somewhere, but that was pre-Super Bowl, and there are many purists who don't believe that uh, the NFL titles really meant anything before the Super Bowl. Uh, but regardless, for for most of the people uh, in that crowd, they were not either alive or old enough to really remember the last time Cleveland hoisted a trophy of any kind over their heads. And yet to see these people come out there and and continue to support their teams and continue to to buy the merchandise and buy the tickets and yell and scream and get as passionate as they were getting, that is really something special. And I really do admire that in the uh, city of Cleveland. I haven't talked too much on this podcast about ticket prices and how that relates to certain types of fans not being able to come out to the ballpark. And that's something that I may say for another episode. But the one thing that I will say is that the only way you're going to get younger generations to continue this tradition and to continue coming out to the ballpark and supporting a team that, I mean, let's face it, does not give them many reasons to cheer. And I say that not just for the Indians, but for many, many teams out there that have not won championships in, in decades. You know, look, it's, it's easy to look at teams like the Red Sox or the Yankees or the uh, Cardinals or any of these teams that are perennially at the top of the standings. Of course, they're going to sell. Of course, their their seats will always be full. But in cities like Cleveland and San Diego and Kansas City, even Detroit. I mean, Detroit hasn't won a World Series since 1984. You know, there are still many, many teams out there where if the team's not winning, you got to give fans another reason to show up at the ballpark. And unfortunately, ticket prices are going in the wrong direction where for the most part, the demographics that I've been seeing inside these stadiums and especially in the seats that I've been sitting at has been primarily 40, 50, 60 plus year old men and women. A lot of them are corporate seats. A lot of them are, were gifts. A lot of them were not paid for by the people that were sitting in there. Um, a lot of them were bought off of StubHub or um, any other type of ticket brokering uh, companies. The only time I really see young kids is on family days. And luckily, a lot of the big league parks continue this tradition. And uh, the game that I went to did feature a family day, which some ballparks will offer uh, discounted ticket prices. Some ballparks will offer some sort of entertainment for the kids. Cleveland, I will say, by a wide margin, had the best family day I, I've seen so far. When I was in Seattle, they had their mascot available for pictures. In Kansas City, they had a line where the kids could line up and, and get an autograph from uh, their mascot. But in Cleveland, they really decked out pretty much the entire concourse where if you were standing in line, there was a magician that was entertaining the kids, or there was a juggler, or there was a man who had a uh, one of those tiny toy basketball hoops attached to his forehead, and you could throw <laughs> throw balls at his face, basically, to try and score a basket. They were just they, There was constant entertainment for the young ones and um by once again a wide margin i saw more young people really young people i don't mean in their teens or or 20s i'm talking under 10 
I saw more than I'd seen in any other ballpark, uh, even on days where I went to family days here in Cleveland. In addition, they have borrowed a little bit from Yankee Stadium and Monument and, and Yankee Stadium's Monument Park, where they have created something called Heritage Park. And unfortunately, I was having a bit of issue with my camera during uh, this day. I had to go to a store after the game, actually, and get it uh, repaired. But I was able to snap one or two photos of Heritage Park, which you can check out at roundingthird.net. It's a really, really wonderful area that is uh, unlike Yankee Stadium, where you need to basically get there really early and stand in line to get a minute or two walkthrough of Monument Park out there in center field. Luckily, Heritage Park is located actually in the concourse. So throughout the entire game, you can just wander in and out. You can go and look at the plaques. You can go really honor the legacy of uh, Cleveland baseball, which there is quite a lot of. The city of Cleveland gets a lot of bad press, along with cities like Detroit and Baltimore and, and just any number of American cities that are currently going through some rough times. There's a lot of negativity when it comes to talking about the city of Cleveland. Now, this is in no way, shape, or form a, uh, a political podcast. I, I don't really have much time for all of that. But what I will say is that what I love about the game of baseball is that in a city that might be going through a rough patch on this random Sunday when, as I mentioned, the Indians were on a very bad losing streak and there was no reason at all for these people to show up at this ballpark, any type of hope seems to have evaporated the day that I was at this at, at this stadium. There were still about 24, 25,000 people that showed up. And if you head over to RonnieThird.net, you can see the, the wide shot that I took of the, the uh, progressive field. And it is just, it is such a beautiful, beautiful stadium. And on just this random Sunday afternoon, how many people showed up there, there really warmed my heart. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, I'm not a big fan of the concept that going to baseball games is somehow an escape from one's problems. I don't think that's the case. When I go to a ball game, I'm not trying to escape my problems. I'm trying to connect with something bigger than myself. I'm trying to connect with other people. I'm trying to solve my problems. You know, for that momentary three-hour game or for that, that season that I'm watching, that is giving me something to connect to. That is something to feel pride in. That is something that I don't look at it as an escape. You know, I feel like turning on to a random TV show that I've seen a million times, that's an escape. That's me just turning off my brain and trying to avoid whatever problems that I may be going through. When I go to a ball game, it's so much bigger than that. It's so much greater than that. And I felt that here in Cleveland. I felt that collectively, as a group, this is a city that is in desperate need for a win, both literally and figuratively. And for the game that I went to, it was perfect. Hopefully, sometime soon, the Indians will be able to put together an entire season because that stadium deserves another World Series banner hanging in the rafters. It deserves more names to be put into the Heritage Park area in the concourse. It, those fans deserve a win. And I want to thank everyone in Cleveland for showing me such a wonderful time after the initial 
fun little ribbing that was going on in, in the first couple of innings. I I had such a wonderful time. I actually I, I I called my father after the game and I told him I might be coming back uh, when my tour was over to catch another game at Progressive Field because I loved it so much. This is a wonderful stadium, and I honestly cannot recommend visiting more. It's luckily it is situated in the Midwest where I've had several people ask me about how I scheduled my tour and I, I've I've uh, written about it on the website at runningthird.net, but. The one thing that I like to tell people is, look, you don't need to do all 30 stadiums in one season. That's Leave that for the lunatics like myself. There's something a little bit mentally wrong with me that I decided to do all 30 in one season. It's a lot easier to do it in chunks. And if you can take a week off of work or 10 days off of work and you can work some magic and schedule it accordingly, there is no better place than the Midwest in this country to go see a string of baseball games you got minnesota milwaukee chicago chicago cincinnati cleveland detroit you've got so many teams all within just a couple of hours drive of each other and it is absolutely worth your time and progressive field is one of those underrated gems that people just simply don't talk nearly enough about so one last time i want to thank the city of cleveland for being such a welcoming host i want to thank the fans that were sitting next to me that really uh, showed me a great, great time. The Indians were putting on one heck of a show. Cora for, for speaking to me there. Next up on my tour is my beloved Detroit Tigers and Comerica Park. So make sure you tune into that one. I'm sure I'll probably get pretty personal with that episode. As always, head on over to runningthird.net for photos and the write-ups that I've done about the stadiums that I've visited. And that's actually where you can see what I do on my off days. What am I doing when I'm not going to ball games on the days that I'm driving or just sitting around a hotel room or at some friend's house, you can read all about it at roundingthird.net. Please make sure to follow me on Twitter. I'm at roundingthirdmj. That's at roundingthird and then my initials, MJ. If you have any questions or comments for me, let me know at roundingthirdpodcast at gmail.com. And make sure you tune in next time as I continue to round third, heading for home. The home base for the Clubhouse Podcast is the Bergino Baseball Clubhouse located at 67 East 11th Street in New York City. Seriously, folks, this is without a doubt my favorite baseball spot in the country. From the baseball-inspired artwork on the walls to the one-of-a-kind memorabilia for sale and the amazing baseball fans that are just hanging out on the bleachers inside the store, this place is the best. If you can't make it into Bergino's in person, please visit Bergino.com and pick up a gift for your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, really anybody in your life, or even just yourself. If you can make it in, make sure you mention the podcast and you'll get a free bag tag with any purchase. You can follow Anthony and I individually at RoundingThirdMJ for me and at AlbinoKid for Anthony. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome week.